I started talking about something and kind of invited you into my walk of faith Wednesday night, and it just hasn't gone away from me, so we, we do need to get into it again today. There are really four things that, as I live my life, I wouldn't say one is more important than the other, as odd as that is, because as I've learned how to walk always conscious of these four things, they have helped my faith walk a lot. And so, you know, I, I live my life always conscious of four things. I, I always know that I must secure God's word for whatever I'm believing him for. So whenever I'm, you know, standing in faith for things, and, and the reality of it is we're not to have faith events, we're to walk by faith. We're to live by faith. So this is a constant thing. I always have to be walking in revelation knowledge of his word. If I'm believing God for a specific thing, if you were to come up to me and say, Tony, what are you believing God for? If I were to tell you, okay, I'm believing God for this, and these are the scriptures I'm standing on. These are the scriptures that are literally exploding on the inside of me that I meditate in, that, that are opened up to me, and that word is the lamp to my feet. It's the light to my path. And, and it, what happens is, as you secure God's word, it literally, there's a constant flow where God, you're hearing God's voice on the inside of you, so you're always in faith. And you're not moved by circumstances. You're no longer moved. Man, I used to be moved. Gosh, why is this thing not manifesting yet? I wasn't doubting God, but I'm just, you know, but because I'd get in there, if I'd get too far into that, how long is this going to take? That wasn't good for me, right? Now I don't, I don't really think about that anymore. What does that have to do with anything? I've already got what I'm, I'm believing God for, right? So securing God's word is huge, but then there's this other part. It's maintaining a pure heart before him. It's really impossible to believe God if you have no confidence before him. Does that make sense? You, you must have confidence before him. So as you go through life, you have to maintain a pure heart. What does that mean? You want to stay in unforgiveness. You want to keep for unforgiveness at the forefront of your life. You don't want to ever be walking in unforgiveness towards anyone because you understand and we're going to talk about that so you maintain a pure heart. But then you want to also live in a world where you are consciously aware of how your enemy works. And notice I didn't say enemies, right? Like in my life, I know there's principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places that have been assigned to stop me. There are demons that are assigned to stop me, but yet I have one enemy, and his name is Satan, and I know him, and this is the number one thing I know about him. I know he's been stripped of all his power. He has no power he has no power over me as a child of God. So I live my life 
always conscious of that. I know how he comes. I know I could see it a mile away. And then the fourth thing is I always live in a world where I resist doubt and fear. And there's ways to do that. So let's talk about that a little bit today. So let's just jump into the word and we'll just jump right there. First thing I want to talk to you about is securing God's word. Let's go to Romans chapter 10 in verse 17. This is a verse of scripture that is so important. Romans chapter 10 talks a lot. The central theme of that chapter is genuine faith and how to operate in faith. Now, all of us could probably quote this verse in our circles or whatever we are, right? But I would venture to say very few really have a revelation knowledge of what this word is saying. And this is foundational. It says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so we sit here and go, yeah, faith comes, as, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Well, praise God, I'm sitting here today, I'm hearing the word of God, so faith comes. Well, it could. But let's break this down just a little bit more, okay? Because this is very, very important. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing. Now, in the King James Version, what I love about this version is it's written in Elizabethan English. And now that is kind of, you know, you get into the, in James, the superfluity of naughtiness, which is just ridiculous. You know, you get really tired of believeth, thinketh, thy, you know, all this stuff. And we're like, King, King Jimmy, what the heck were you thinking? Why are we, why would you have a Bible? Well, I guess they must have spoke that way. Well, no, they didn't speak that way during his time. The reason why he had his translators translate it from the King James is, number one, it's a word-for-word -word translation. I love that because the tools that we have today, you can tell what the Greek word or the Hebrew word means, where it's been used, all this stuff. So you could tell if a translator is translating something odd. Because every translation is only as good as the translator's knowledge of the languages, right? Hebrew and Greek. But it's also dependent upon their knowledge of God, where they are at. Do they believe they're a lowly worm? Because if they, if they believe that, man, I'm just, I'm just man, I'm just this lowly worm, then in the book of Psalms, they're going to write something like, God has made man a little lower than the angels. When in reality, the word for angel is the Hebrew word Elohim, which means God. But that translator's going, I can't translate that God made man a little lower than God. Do you see that? You know, in, in Hebrews chapter 53, it says, Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The Hebrew words koli and makab. Never do those words mean griefs and sorrows as a foundation. Do they mean griefs and sorrows? Yeah. But it means griefs and sorrows as a result of sickness and pain. 
But they're like, wait a minute, we can't write, surely he's borne our sickness and carried our pain. And with his stripes, we're healed because that's telling everybody healing's provided. And that makes no sense to me because grandma so-and-so loved God and died of sickness and disease. You know, do you see what I'm saying? And all that by his stripes, you know, we're healed thing, that's spiritual healing. Were you? No, 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 no. Old things were passed away. The old dead spirit that you were is gone. Wasn't healed. It was taken out and removed and gone forever. And now you were made brand new when you accepted Christ. You weren't healed. Spiritual healing. I've, I've heard some crazy things as I've talked to people about, well, what is that? Well, you never hear scripture, right? So I love that. And, and the verb tenses, like where it says, believeth in the King James Version. Anytime you see an E-T-H at the end of a word, it literally it's there for a reason. It's a verb tense. Because as a Christian, you don't come to church and make a decision, okay, I believe that Jesus is God now. I'm going to live my own life, but I'm still going to, I'm going to pray this little prayer like I'm saying, twinkle, twinkle, little star. But I have no, I, I'm, there, I'm not speaking out of my heart. I just don't want to go to hell. No, that's not what that word believeth means. The word E-T-H, it's the verb tense. I believe, I believe, and I, I'm so committed to this belief that I will continue to believe. Where it says thinketh, I'm, I think this way, in line with the word of God, and I, I think this way, and I know that's truth so much that I will continue to think this way. When you throw it in that context, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Because I see people that tell me they're Christians, but they have absolutely zero fruit to let me believe that they're a Christian. Right? Now, could they be carnal? Yeah, they could. Can I tell? Not really. The only way you could kind of tell is if there's willingness. Because, man, I've known Christians that they blow it, run back to God, blow it, run back to God, blow it, run back to God. I know one of them really well. Right? You're looking at them. I am so glad that I've always run back to God. Because God's mercy is new every morning. And man, there were things that ate my lunch for, you know, decade, decades, and now I'm free, right? Free is good. Free is really good. So you got to secure God's word. So let's look at this scripture, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So in the King James Version, now I'm not telling all you guys to go out and get a King James Version, okay? You, you'll, you, I grew up with it, so I kind of like it. I like the word for word. I use other translations. Some translations I can't stand because there's so many changes. However, I still quote them once in a while because they actually get the Greek or the Hebrew really good. You know, you've heard me. I kind of diss on the NIV, right, version. But boy, the NIV says some things good sometimes. The problem is there's just 15,000 plus changes in that. So, so, you know, I would suggest if you're going to get a version... Man, the New King James Version is, is great because it's a thought-by-thought thought translation. So a lot of times when I say, hey, that Greek word means this, my wife will diss on me. She's like, well, you know, every time you say that, the New King James says it that way, <laughs> right? 
but that's okay, just pray for me, right? Okay. But in the King James Version, this word cometh is not there. It was added, it's in italics, so it was added by the translators to bring clarity to this text. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing, or you could say, so then faith by hearing. But this word by, you got to know what this word by means. It's the Greek word ek. It means out of. Okay? One of, the, one of the things where it says he has not appointed us to wrath, and when it talks about the end times, that we are literally saved out of. It doesn't use the other Greek word dia, which means through. We're not going to go through the tribulation. We're saved ek, out of it. Right? So this word is ek. It literally means out of. So then faith literally comes out of hearing. Hearing. This is a big word. Because it talks about, this word means, it's talking about the thing that's heard. It denotes in this Greek word to where the person, in order to do this word and hear this way, you have to be in a position where your heart attitude is, I'm going to allow God's word to speak to me. So in other words, this Greek word means to give this word, to give it my full attention with the full purpose of I'm willing to do it. Do you know you can't do any word of God that you don't hear because there's no faith. And it says, and hearing by, here's another word by, but this is the word dia. And hearing by, this word dia means hearing comes through what? The word of God. Now this is interesting because this word hearing, it has more to do with what is said than what is heard. It has more to do with what is said. What do you mean, Pastor? When you are meditating in Scripture and saying it over and over and over again, when you're reading it out loud and the Holy Spirit opens that Scripture up, light comes out and you hear God on the inside of you. And when you hear Him, when He speaks on the inside of you, that's when faith comes. And that's why you have to secure the word. Memorizing scripture is not going to get you there. Meditating in scripture will get you there because it's got to open up. Okay? Now, you should be really happy right now because the reason why God is having me teach this is because this is the year, guys, for all these things you've been believing God. For some of us, there's going to be areas of our life that we're going to go, wow, I wasn't even in faith. I thought I was. But when you just make that adjustment and all of a sudden you start to see the word pr produce in your life. So it says, so then faith comes out of hearing and hearing comes through the word of God. 
Now, this is interesting because this, this means the word of God. The word of theos is the Greek word here. It's talking about the word of God the Father. It's talking about Jesus Christ, who is the anointed one and who is anointed. And it's talking about the Holy Spirit. The New American Standard uh, Bible says it this way, and hearing by the word of Christ. So if we break this verse down, the literal meaning of this verse, if you look at all these Greek words, it would say, so then faith comes out of or originates from hearing. And hearing through the spoken word of the anointed one. Bible hearing is your hearing God. Hearing comes through or because of the spoken utterance of the anointed one. Well, how do you hear that on the inside of you? You have to meditate in scripture. The Bible says in the book of James, if you hear only and you don't do, you deceive yourself. Well, now wait a minute, okay. But you understand how that works when you understand that's a different word here. That word in James means to listen. Many comes to church and just listens. And, and this is what happens. You come here and you hear the word. This has happened to me before. Wow, you hear, you get your answer and you're so excited. But if you don't take that word... If it doesn't have as high a priority in your life as what you're going to do this afternoon, you could lose it, right? Because you'll leave, you'll get all into everything you're doing, you'll forget all about all this stuff that was taught, you won't meditate in that word and it'll never open and you'll never see it and you'll never hear the voice of God and faith will never be there. But what will happen though is you'll sit here and you'll think, Wow, I heard it. I'm in faith. And then you wonder why these things never happen in your life. You never see them. God does not want you to walk in victory in theory. He wants you to experience in your life right now his word working in the form of your body being healed, your finances increasing, anxiety, fear, depression gone from your life, lives restored, families restored, wisdom, hope, all joy, peace. He wants all that stuff flooding out of you, right? So faith comes by hearing. Notice it doesn't say faith comes by memorizing scripture. Now, am I against memorizing scripture? No. As a matter of fact, that is awesome. But why don't you call it, instead of calling it memorizing Scripture, call it meditating in Scripture, right? Faith comes by hearing the anointed utterance. I said this, I think Wednesday night, you know, the Lord just really spoke this to me, and sometimes when he speaks things to me, and this is something he says to me often, but he'll always tell me, he goes, Tony, my word is not true when you see it or because you see it. My word's true because I said it. And every word of God has been given to you for you to walk in the benefit of it. God wants you blessed. It's amazing how religion hates that. 
Well, if you're religious, then don't come here because you're going to hear it. God wants you blessed in every arena of your life. He wants you walking in victory. As you get older, he doesn't want you sick and weak. And there's an enemy that will attack you illegally. But here's the deal. You keep feeding on the word of God, and man, I'm telling you, you could lay hold of your healing. He can't take you out physically. And that sickness or disease in your body has to go. Poverty and lack in your life can't stay. It has to go. Anxiety, depression, fear, all that stuff. It's all external. It has to go. That has to go. Right? Faith doesn't deny a circumstance. Right? Faith doesn't deny that there's a tumor in my body. Faith denies its right to affect my body and, it, and to stay in my body. Why? Well, because Jesus already bore it. I don't have to. So you got to get out of my body. So as a Christian, what's my job? Be willing and obedient and rest. Because everything that will happen, it's not because of you, it's because of the word. It's because of what God did. So we secure the word of God. So it says it here in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 23. It says this, let us hold fast, seize hold of, the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Because he is faithful that promised. Let us hold fast. If you take Romans 10, 17 and Hebrews 10, 23, you have both sides of the coin right there. So this is how you secure the word of God, right? You guys know the, word, the, word, the prayer of faith. It's one of the nine prayers in the New Testament that's outlined, the prayer of faith. We understand that God has given us everything in the finished work of Christ by his grace, and we must lay hold of it through faith. It comes to us through faith. In other words, we must possess through faith, through the faith of God that comes by hearing him, what he's given us by grace. Well, the prayer of faith, right? What things soever you desire, when you pray, what do you must do? The prayer of faith. You believe that you receive them. When? When you pray. And then the Bible says, and you shall have them. The bummer about that verse, it doesn't say you shall have them in 24 hours, in 40 days, Nope. Why? Because time is not an issue if you know you've laid hold of it. Right? So that's the prayer of faith. So securing God's word means that you're taking God's word that is the foundation of your prayer of faith. Right? And you use God's word to answer the enemy when he comes to try to attack you. So that means I believe that I receive my healing and whenever I get a report that's contrary, whenever there's a pain in my body, what do I do? I don't sit here and go, gosh, I wonder if this is working. No, the word is not true because I can see it or feel it. It's true because God said it. And it's not subject to change. It is forever established and settled in heaven. God says, I will submit to what I say. 
And I know Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father, watching over his word to perform it. How does he see his word? Because it's in my heart and it's coming out of my mouth. He sees it come out of my heart, right through my mind and out of my mouth. And then it gives him the legal right to perform what he's already given me. And what I mean by that is perform it in this realm. So I have to hold fast to the profession of my faith without wavering. That word profession many times is translated confession. It is the Greek word homo logeo. It literally means to say the same thing. So let me put these two verses together. This is real important that you get. This will change your life. You could technically leave after I say this and be completely blessed, but lock the doors. No, right? So how does this work? I'm facing something in my life. Now I'm reading the word every day, and when I read the Bible, I don't read it silently. I read it out loud, right? And, and when something jumps out at me, I take that scripture and I start saying it over and over and over and over, right? Because I, I, I won't know it until it opens. And see, when you're in the Word all the time, man, you know, my car is, it, it, my car is a Bible school, right? I mean, I'm always listening to the Word. On vacation, what will Jeanette and I do? We will literally spend all our time together. We're going to be talking about the word predominantly, in the word. I mean, we just have the greatest time. It's, it's part of our life. So we're, you're feeding on all these things. You come, you're hearing this message, which is designed. See, the gifts inside of me, when the Lord puts it on my heart to teach something, I know this, that the Holy Spirit, the teacher, will take it and equip you to go out and do the work of your ministry, whatever God's called you to do. I mean, it, it's designed for that. So what I do is I meditate in the Word of God, right? I delight in it. This is my final authority. This is, this is my highest priority. This is the It has first place in my life. God has first place in my life. This is my final authority. My flesh doesn't like that all the time. But I don't care. I've made a decision. This is life. This is dripping with life. So now I'm meditating in this word. And as I speak this word over and over, Father, I thank you that you always give me the victory. You always cause me to triumph. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am strong in the Lord, and I am strong in the power of his might, right? The armor of God is, an, uh, is, is in being endued upon me, and now the I walk with the shield of faith in front of me, and it quenches all the fiery darts of the enemy, Right? I, I humble myself under the mighty hand of God and I resist the devil and he always flees. I constantly have that in my mouth 
And then what happens is that word will start opening on the inside. What happens when that happens? Now I start walking by faith. Because what I do is I hear on the inside of me. Tony, I sent my word and healed you. Tony, I've redeemed you from the curse of the law. And when I hear that, now is it an audible voice? No. It, it's not words. It's, it's, it's an inner knowing. And all of a sudden, I hear the voice of my Father. See, when I stand before Jesus and I hear his voice, that will be like old home week. I'm going to be like, wow, I've been hearing that voice my whole life. When I talk to the Father, I'm going to be like, man. When, I, when I'm standing in heaven, I'm going to be like, this is the most incredible thing that I've ever experienced, and yet it feels so, it feels so normal Nothing down there was normal. It was not my home. Right? But I hear his voice on the inside. And the moment I hear his voice on the inside, faith is birthed. So what does faith do? Faith believes in the heart and speaks out of the mouth. So now God is saying to me, Tony, by my stripes, you are healed. And so I... I literally hear that, and then I say that. I hold fast to saying what he says. Right? Most believers are trying to quote scriptures that they're not hearing him say. And they wonder why it's so hard. Well, I'm just in this battle of faith. Right? No, and I'm not talking down to that. We've all been there, but let's not stay there. What Do you remember when Jesus said this? He said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I hear my father do. What? Why? Because he meditated in the word. He had no special relationship. He was the son of God. Guess what you are? You're a son and daughter of God. Now, you're not, you're not the head of the church. You're not Lord of all, right? He's the first begotten, but guess what? You're begotten. So the way he walked, he walked on this earth not as God. He walked as a man anointed by God. He said what his father said in the same way that you and I are to say what we hear. That's faith. Otherwise, you're just speaking. Now, listen, here's the deal. Many times, you can speak the word and speak the word and you can speak the word to get yourself in faith. Because if you speak it long enough, all of a sudden, he'll start saying it. Now you start saying it. You're saying what he's saying. When the enemy comes, you hold fast to only say what he says. So when that pain hits your body, when you get that doctor's report that doesn't make you happy, that's where you say, doctor, thank you so much. I appreciate that. You don't fight, right? Because they know what they're doing. But you walk out of there, thank you. And even if they tell you, listen, I'm so sorry, there's nothing else I can do. You have to die. 
okay, thank you very much. And you walk out of there going, Father, I just thank you. Because on the inside of you, you start hearing, you will not die, Tony, but you will live and declare the works of the Lord. And so what do I say? Father, I thank you. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. Right? You'll hear down on the inside of you, Tony, I redeemed you from the curse of sickness and disease. And what do I say? Father, I thank you so much. Jesus, I thank you that you've redeemed me from sickness and disease. And when I say that, God, Jesus, the anointed one, comes on the scene in his power and his presence, and he starts changing it so I see it in my body, so I see it in my life. I have to secure God's word. Does that make sense? This is why... Luke chapter 6, if you turn there, Luke chapter 6, verse 47 says this. Jesus talking, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. Now we know as a New Testament believer from what we've just talked about, he who hears my sayings that means you're hearing him say them on the inside of you. And then you do them. In other words, you say them, and what you do when you say them, it moves you in direction of doing them. Why? Because when he speaks, you see. You'll never be able to walk in a direction you don't see. But, and this is, this is why believers get so frustrated. Why are we not seeing the miracles and signs and wonders in, in our circles that we should be seeing. Do you know many of our brothers and sisters go to churches and they are thoroughly convinced because of what they're being taught that God heals some and not others. And God's sovereign, so if he wants you to have it, you'll just have it. But if he doesn't, he, it's just, you know, his ways are higher. But we understand that that's not Bible. Now, it's part of it, but keep reading, and then it makes sense. Yeah, his ways are higher. But then it says, but the Spirit of God, it reveals his ways. That I'm to know, don't be ignorant, the Bible says, but know and understand what the will of the Lord is. But those of us, what happened is we bought a lie of the enemy. We think that because we could quote a scripture that we don't meditate in, that we actually know it. And we're just mental assenting to it. We understand how this principle of faith works. But we haven't meditated in it long enough. Why? Because we're too busy. I'm too busy to go to church on Wednesday night. Great. Don't call me your pastor. Call me your half pastor. Because you just cut me off. You cut 50% of my ministry off in your life. Now, am I, am I saying that to try to push you to come to church Wednesday night? No, God doesn't push you to do anything. But I got to tell you, I would hope if Jesus is your Lord, you go to him and say, okay, what do you want me to do? Because see, here's the problem. If you start giving yourself options, all of a sudden, there's this big option. Man, I'm just so busy. And you are. You know, you're the busiest generation in the history of the church. Too busy to get in this word. And you wake up, and you're like, man, I got, I got to read my chapter. 
and you re- and then this is a small percentage. They read their chapter every day, shut the book, they didn't, and they just go. And by the time, have you ever hit work and all of a sudden it's 900 miles an hour, 8,000 things happening, next thing you know it's 7 o'clock at night, and you're like, wow. And you're just sitting there going, you know, haven't been in the Word all day. I've been, you don't even realize you're speaking death. You're, you're, you're just talking carnal. And what do you want to do? Let me just sit in a chair and watch a movie. Right? Let me just sit here and veg out. And you let that thing on your wall tell you a vision of, that somebody else has. Right? And you listen to commercials about your diabetes and your arthritis and you're this and you're that. Right? And if you get really carnal, you start watching news. And that makes you want to just go take a long walk off a short pier in shark-infested waters because you're like, this is it, you know. Because have you noticed the big thing about what's going on in the world today is what is truth? Guys, truth brings you to a place of rest. Satan loves it because people out there are freaking out because they have no rest because everything is blowing up right? We have their answer, but they need to not only hear that from us, but they need to see it, right? Now, I say these things as a pastor. I say things that God puts on my heart. Listen, I don't really think of an individual. I, I feel nothing when I'm talking to somebody in our church who I love with all my heart, and they don't come to church on Wednesday night. It's okay. It's okay, right? There's some people that can't because of their schedule. Well, get online and listen to that Wednesday night service. Outline it. If you can't come or if it doesn't work for you, outline it. Get it in you. It'll help you. Right? But always ask the Lord, what, what, see, this is what happens. Like, we're already in March. Isn't this crazy? New Year's resolutions are a, bre- they're, a they're a memory. It's gone. <laughs> right? Don't, don't go the next 10 months doing what you did last year. And then all of a sudden you come to, you come to the end of this year and go, okay, I just, I'm just a mess again. Don't let Satan do that to you. Realize, man, there's distractions. And the Holy Spirit knows that. And if you'll submit to his leadership, he'll never hurt you. He'll lead you. You'll get more done And you'll have more, I'm telling you, walking by faith will give you more time. Amen. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house, dig deep, and laid a foundation on a rock. When you meditate in the word of God and secure God's word, you are like a man. What you're doing is you're digging deep. You're building, your, you're building a foundation. You're building your house, on your life, on a rock. And when, it says here, not if, when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house, it could not shake it. And this is what God wants. You are in the earth. This is the valley of the shadow of death, right? Some places look better than others, Some places are warmer than others, but every one of the places on this planet is the valley of the shadow of death. Wait till the curse is removed from this earth, how beautiful everything is. 
right? But you're going to have storms. Well, I'm so glad I came to church today, Pastor. You're telling me, great, <laughs> right? No, no, you're going to. But God doesn't want any of them to shake you. None of them to shake you, right? You are not made to be shaken. You're made to walk in dominion and authority, immovable in your righteousness. It says, and when, not if the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. So in other words, when you're hearing God's voice on the inside, you're hearing the word on the inside and you're speaking it out of your mouth, you're building a foundation. And when that storm comes, it won't shake you. Does that make sense? Now here's the good news. If you don't build that foundation, this is what happens. He that hears and does not, though, is a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did vehemently beat, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, I've got good news for you as a New Testament believer. Okay? This is why God in the Old Testament, if a person would fall, he says, I will lift them up. In the New Testament, it doesn't say that. It says, I will keep them from falling. So here's how you do this. If you're in a battle today and you're not ready for that battle, you surround yourself with not 20 people, just a few people that know that they are battle-worn, right? If I were to, if, if listen, if, if America was to be attacked, I know immediately Dr. Kirshner is going to see me, my wife, my son, if I could get him there, my daughter-in-law, right? My daughter and her two grandkids, we're going to be at his house. Because if, if there is a battle, I want to be right where he is. Because he's a combat veteran. He's not moved if stuff's blowing up around him. He, and he knows what to do. Listen, if I'm in a battle spiritually and Satan's trying to kill me, I'm not going to hang out with people that are freaking out. Right? Right? I'm going to go, I'm going to hang out with Jake and Alicia, right? I'm going to go hang out with people that will tell me how healed I am. That will tell me, listen, don't, don't worry about all these explosions. We have this. Does that make sense? So I'm going to surround myself with people so that I could get through this battle. But what I'm going to start doing I'm at, when this battle, when I'm in this battle, I'm going to start. I'm going to start hearing and, and building that foundation. Right? You're a child of God. God has already given you the victory. So, so it's never too late for you. So principle number one, man, it's already ten o'clock. Secure God's word. Let's go to principle number two. Maintain a pure heart. Look at, turn in your Bible to John chapter 15, verse 7. Maintain a pure heart. Because you have to have confidence when you come to God. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Look at this. It says in John 15, 7, if... Wow, that's a big statement. This is conditional on you and I doing something. 
if you abide in me. Notice that this prayer of faith is based on my relationship with God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, this prayer of faith is also based on my relationship with his word. If you abide in me, so this prayer is based on my relationship with him. And my words abide in you. In other words, now this prayer of faith is based on my relationship with his word. You shall ask, again, it's the Greek word that means you shall call for, you shall make a demand for, and you shall require what you will, and it might be done unto you if it's my will. No, that's the faithless version. That's first faithless, first faithless one one. No, that's not what it says. It says, and it shall be done unto you. If you abide in me, and if my word abides in you, you'll ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if, here's another if, darn it. We got people running around teaching that, listen, God is sovereign. It's whatever his will. That's what's going to happen. Have you heard this statement? God is in control. That is so ridiculous. Do you know if God was in control, there would be no crime today. There'd be nobody going hungry. Right? There'd be no murders. There'd be no war. Right? Now, I'll tell you, the goal of my life is I want him in control. How do I do that? I abide in him and his word abides in me, right? And this is the confidence that we have in him if, in other words, this is conditional on us doing something, if we ask, that means if I call for, if I require, if I make a demand for anything according to his will, he hears us. What is his will? His word is his will, right? If I ask anything according to his will, or if I ask anything according to his word, he hears me. And then it says this, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. That word desired literally means required. If you're sick today, you require healing. If you're watching online today, if you're sick today, you require healing. And God has already provided it for you. It's a matter of you just grabbing hold of it and believing that in your heart and speaking that word out of your mouth and the Holy Spirit will help you lay hold of it. He'll lead us to lay hold of these things. Go back a couple chapters here. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 19, it says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Wow. The word is saying, here is how we're going to know 
if we are of the word. Because our hearts will be assured before him. Have you ever went to God and everything within you is just going, man, I've just blown it so many times. I've kind of slapped in his face. I've done my own thing, all this stuff. I've got a great word for you if that's where you are today. His mercy is new to you every morning. He's long-suffering. That means he will suffer long with you. He'll just keep loving on you and keep leading you. For many of you, you're led to this place to hear the word of God so you can walk in freedom. You know, he'll keep leading you to places where you can walk in it. It says, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Well, what does that mean? So here's the commentary on verse 20. When discouraged, God's word can tell us that we are not condemned. When you get discouraged and when you're condemning yourself, if you'll get the word in your heart, that word will tell you, no, 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 no. You're, there's no shame on you. Don't condemn yourself. All of your sin was already condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus on that cross. And now you are unaccusable. You are unblameable. And as you're standing here, you have the eyes and ears of your father and he is ready to work on your behalf. So don't get guilty. Don't say, oh, I'm just this horrible Christian. No, you're not. If you're sitting there today and you're rebellious to this word in every area, but you're still a child of God, then make the adjustment because you're living not how you are. And you've got to see who you are. You are forgiven. You've been made new. You are free. The God of heaven loves you and is in your life and he is fully committed Jesus, the author of your faith, is fully committed to helping your faith develop and the Holy Spirit is committed to guide you into the word so that you can lay hold of everything you need in this life. God is never, he never goes, okay, I'm done. Aren't you glad? Now we have to preach this because we've had parents that said, I'm done. Right? Is there a parent that's ever felt with their children ha, has never had a thought, gosh, I'm just done. I'm fed up. They just won't. Yeah, all of us think those silly thoughts. But are we really done? No. Are you kidding me? You're like ready to kill your son or daughter for what they've done because they've disobeyed you a hundred times and then somebody breaks in with a gun and puts it at their head and you're saying, hey, shoot me instead. Right? But God is not like that. He doesn't lose control. God's not moved by your disobedience. His mercy is greater than your disobedience. And he is ready to move as soon as you move in faith. So that's why you got to maintain. You got to maintain a pure heart. You got to know that about God. He's not mad at you today, beloved. If our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, 
because we keep his commandments. Now, this is interesting because the King James translator translated this commandments. But it's a singular word because we keep his commandment. And because we keep his commandment, what is that? That we love our brothers and sisters unconditionally as God loves us. That enables us to do those things that are pleasing in his sight. In other words, if you get out of the love walk, the reason why you do, the reason why you have ought against your brother and sister is because you're not walking in a revelation of how much God loves you. Because God, I can love God because he first loved me. I could love my wife because God first loved me. Does that make sense? But when we get out of this, now our heart starts condemning us. And we don't have confidence because we're, we're just not right. Well, you need to know today you maintain a right heart. Just repent. Just change. Right? Just change. Father, I'm changing. I don't want to live this way, so I'm changing. Now, I have no idea how to change, so I'm going to trust you to help me to change, but you say you always cause me to triumph, so you're going to help me. Does that make sense? Your confidence towards God is based on the purity of your heart. Keeping his commandment is connected to your heart, not condemning you. See, God, how does he correct us? He corrects us with his word. And what does that do when he corrects us? It brings us into confidence with him. God's desire is that you know when you come to him, he is he's like, hey, right? I mean, when Ethan comes, God wants you to know that, hey, Ethan, I'm all, I'm all, I've been looking forward to this. What do you need, brother? Right? What do you need, my son? I will move mountains. That's, that's God. You have to know that. Knowing you are in fellowship with God produces confidence, and this is why 1 John 1, 9 is so important. Right? If you sin... You confess your sins and he's faithful and just. Right? Right there. To forgive you for the sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The sinful and unrighteous nature? No, that's impossible. You have a righteous nature. It's just the sinful and unrighteous behavior. And he cleanses you for the purpose of maintaining fellowship with him because he wants you to have confidence because you have to walk by faith. And you can't walk by faith without confidence. Right? Does that make sense? So, I got to go into this. <laughs> you guys are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang you out there again today. But this is okay. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. You love your pastor. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Let's talk about this passage talking about the operation of faith. This will fit perfectly. The context of this passage, starting in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, the context of this passage is how to operate in the faith of God. Never lose sight of that. 
It says here, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. They asked him about this fig tree that he cursed. 24 hours later, it's dried up from the root. They're like, wow, Lord, check this out. And so he's now going to teach them how to operate in the faith of God. The first thing he says is have the faith of God. In other words, uh, or have the God kind of faith or have the faith that God has, this is available to all of us. To have faith, all you have to do is hear and believe God's word. Satan will always tell you that you need more faith. Has he ever told you that? Well, if you just had more faith, right? The Bible never tells you to have more faith. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Uh, you've heard me talk about this before, right? The Bible tells you to use the faith that you have. The only place that the New Testament speaks about the amount of faith is it uses a mustard seed as an example. If you saw a mustard seed, it, it's about the size of a piece of food that gets stuck in between your teeth. Right? And what it, in that context is, is the smallest amount of faith can produce the biggest results. So it's not about the amount, it's about using the faith that you have. Satan doesn't want you to know this because he will always... He will always come to you and tell you that you're not enough. You don't have enough. You've, 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 God's not going to do this for you. It all funnels down to the word of God is just not going to work for you right now. And it's all lies. See, it's not about how much faith you have. It's about how strong you stand in the faith that you have. Verse 23. This is going to talk about how faith operates against something. Jesus says this, For verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed. So in other words, you have something that's come into your life that's trying to block you from what God has for you. So this is how to operate in faith against something. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. But then it says, what does it say right here? But shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Verse 24, it starts to talk about how faith operates to receive something through prayer. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, this is an interesting word, desire, right? What things soever you desire, that word literally means to call for, require, make a demand for. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That's the prayer of faith. In other words, you shall have what you believe you've received when you prayed. Now he's still talking about what? The operation of the faith of God. Now check this out. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any. This, this phrase, ought against any, in the Greek, it means if you have something against a certain person. 
So in other words, if you have something against a certain person, if there's unforgiveness towards a certain person, you got to take care of this, otherwise faith won't operate. And we will always know what that is. Okay? If you have aught against any, why? You have to forgive that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, if you don't rightly divide this and you stick with what is this saying, this is talking about the operation of faith, you're going to sit here and go, well, time out. So you mean if I don't forgive, that God doesn't forgive me? So that means there's sin in my life? Does that mean I'm not saved? Does that mean I'm not going to go to heaven? The answer to that is no. So let's, let's rightly divide this. We're going to take some time. Okay? You must look at what God said in verse 25 right now. You have to look at it in the context of operating in the faith of God. Jesus is basically saying the number one hindrance of, of faith operating effectively is unforgiveness. The number one hindrance. So I wonder if we're going to ever have to deal with this. Okay? This does not refer to the judicial forgiveness of sins and the sin nature at the cross. It can't, right? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, all of our sin, and that Greek word was once and for all condemned in the body of Christ. That means every sin I've ever committed, every sin I will ever commit has already been paid for. So it can't be talking about that. Okay? This is talking about something, a behavior that I could do of unforgiveness that will hinder me operating in faith. We're going to find that God is not saying, I won't forgive you so we no longer, you're no longer my child. No, what he's saying is there's no more fellowship. There's still a relationship, but if you walk in unforgiveness, you have put me in a position as your father where I cannot operate in your life. Now, I could tell, I could feel it. Because there's people that have been seriously hurt by someone. And they're like, and right now the word of God has just put you in a position where you're like, what? You mean to tell me that my faith won't operate if I'm in unforgiveness? You ready for the answer to that? Yes. So, forgive. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. And it's a decision based on, listen, I'm so thankful that God forgave me that I will forgive this person. It, what that does is it causes you to maintain a pure heart which gives you confidence and it opens a door because your father wants to perform everything he says he's already given you. 
doesn't refer to the judicial forgiveness of sins and the sin nature at the cross or when a person is born again. This is strictly a matter of grace through faith. This is referring to God's parental dealings with his children. A decision to stay in unforgiveness in a believer's life breaks fellowship, not relationship, with the Father, and it hinders the flow of blessings. God is unable to get anything to you. Your willingness to forgive triggers God's mercy regarding your faith in action. God's forgiveness towards you cannot work in the context of faith unless you operate in forgiveness. Do you see that? Guys, I have just told you something that will help your life tremendously. Because if you're carrying it, if you're carrying unforgiveness, guess who it's not hurting? It's not hurting that person that hurts you. That person who hurts you probably not even ever thinking about you anymore. Right? I could tell you for me, there will not be one human being that will ever stand before God and ever, ever have to pay and hear and deal with it, the white throne judgment of God. There won't, be one, there won't be one person who's ever wronged me that will ever have to deal with any sin because I, the Bible says if I, for, I, I could forgive their sins now. I could say, Father, forgive them. Don't hold these sins against them. Because I, I do that. that. That's like a first thing for me every day. That's how I start my day. Father, I declare to you that I forgive everyone who's ever wronged me. Father, I pray that you would never hold that against them. That they will never be judged. That no death can come into their life as a wage of that sin. That I have the power and the authority in the name of Jesus. I curse that. Let them off the hook. And then I pray, Father, bless them. Man, I'm telling you, for a while, your flesh will give you problems. Not for very long. Because you're made to love. And all of a sudden, in a very short period of time, you'll make a switch. You'll stop living out of your flesh. Does that mean you'll never get mad at somebody? Oh, no, you'll get, you, you might get angry. And the minute you do, down on the inside, your spirit's going, what are you doing? And you'll stop. Don't let people that have hurt you hurt you anymore. Because there's people that are hurting Christians. There are people that won't come through the walls of a church because of an idiot pastor that had a bad day and, and got in his flesh and, and said or did some things that were wrong. And they will never come through a church. And the worst thing about that is they're in unforgiveness. Right? Walk free. Maintain a pure heart. Your unforgiveness stops the power of God from working through your faith. So you guys okay with that? I'm going to keep going. Just a couple more minutes. Who will give me a minute? Okay, we're good. Okay, all right. So we secured God's word. We've maintained a pure heart. What, what's the next one? You've got to know your enemy. Know your enemy, right? I'm going to read some scriptures. The thief, John 10, 10, how does he come? He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the only way he comes. 
Luke 10, 10, or Luke 10, verse 19. Jesus said this, Behold, I give you power. Power. This is a Greek word for delegated authority. We know from Scripture, Behold, I give you delegated power in my name to tread upon. That means to have absolute mastery over serpents and scorpions. That's the whole satanic hierarchy. Demons, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. You as a child of God are to have absolute mastery over them. And over all the power, that's not the word for power. That Greek word means in all the ability of the enemy. That's Satan. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's another thing you need to know about your enemy. There's so much. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Don't give him any place. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, think clearly, be vigilant, be ever on your guard, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he's seeking whom he may devour. You learn from that scripture, he can't devour everybody. He's seeking who he could devour. You have to say, devour me. Right? None of us are going to do that. 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We know exactly how he works. It's, it's revealed right in this word devices. It's the Greek word noemata. He comes against your mind to play mind games with you. He'll use people, he'll use circumstances, he'll use all that junk that maybe you grew up in, he'll use everything you've ever walked in to try to play mind games with you. And here's another thing about Satan, James 4, 7, if you submit yourself to God and resist him, you stand against and oppose him, how? With God's word, he will flee from you. This is so important that you know this. Satan is defeated. Spiritual warfare is of the mind. He comes in your thought realm. He wants to build vain imaginations and he wants to build strongholds in your mind to take you a prisoner. And always, I, I said this Wednesday night and I gotta say this again, receiving thoughts of doubt from him is exactly the same way as canceling your order or refusing delivery. Right? Receiving words of doubt from him. Have you ever ordered something and it's going to be delivered to your house and you're looking so forward to it? Receiving thoughts of doubt and speaking them is like you saying, nope, don't want it anymore. Because it'll, it'll keep that blessing from being delivered. Our warfare is to stand against wrong thoughts that Satan throws at us. He's going to bring thoughts. He's going to question you. He's going to try to talk you into the fact that the words that you're standing on from God are not going to work for you. And it's all lies. Right? Think about this. We didn't say this, but the Bible says he's a liar and the father of it. So notice how he brings thoughts of doubt. Hey, do you notice this isn't working? But he's a liar. 
if you were in a wrong place and it wasn't working, he would never throw that thought. The mere fact that you have a thought of doubt, you should make you happy. You're like, man, now thank you. Or you, got, you can't do this. you got to go, thank you, because he's way underneath. Thank you, right? You just confirm that I'm on the right path, because he's a liar. So we got secure God's word. We got maintain a pure heart. The last one is it's stand against all fear and all doubt, right? Your thought life is governed by your observation, the things that you observe, the teaching you sit under, right? And your, and your associations, the people you associate with. Be careful in those three areas. Satan wants to plant and nurture wrong thoughts. Fear is external, right? You gotta control your thoughts. You must speak to doubt. Whenever a thought of doubt comes, you speak to it. Doubt, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. You must speak to fear. Fear, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You get out of my life. So those are four things. Those are four things I hope they help you. You need to secure God's word, right? You gotta secure his word. You gotta maintain a pure heart. You have to do that. Resist doubt and fear, right? And you gotta know your enemy. Well, praise God. Isn't that good?